Good afternoon, everybody. The last time uh, we talked, it was on the cusp of our very first Dynamite, the, the premiere episode on TNT. And since then, the show has become the biggest premiere uh, for Warner Media TNT in five years. So these conference calls are almost a good luck charm for me and AEW. So I want to answer as many questions as possible. Let's go ahead and dive in right now. Okay, fantastic. So let's let's start off. Let's start with uh, Jason Powell from ProWrestling.net. Jason, are, are you there? I am. Yes. Uh, Cody, it's been said by some that, are, that time off is a wrestler's worst enemy. Now you guys had a longer layoff between shows before Dynamite started. Now you're working once a week or so. Please talk about the differences in terms of how your body responds to working a so-called full-time schedule for WWE compared to your current schedule in AEW. Uh, I think you've got to be able to get your reps as a professional wrestler. There's really no way to, to train for pro wrestling, the, the cardio aspect of it. Um, road work is what the old-timers used to call it, actual long, long runs was one of the only things they could kind of equate to it, but still because there's a nature of, of theatrics, of sports, of bodybuilding, of, of the vanity of it all, it is very difficult to prepare for doing it other than doing it itself. So in these six weeks, it, it's been nice to, to for, for men and women to get their reps in. And AEW Dark, which has been a, like a monster hit for the All Elite YouTube, there's a reason that those matches uh, – are going a little bit longer. Not only do we want, you know, to give the fans the long quality sports centric type matches, but we want our, our talent to be able to push themselves uh, and, and do so uh, in that way. So it's, it's nice to be back on. There is such a thing as too much. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed for this particular rivalry with Chris and myself, I have not wrestled as frequently on the show and that, to me, at, at my age and where I'm at in my career, I don't. I feel the best ever going into this show tomorrow, the most prepared. And I think that's a big thing that AEW, one of our big feathers in our cap is preparation as a team. So it's somewhere in the middle, you know, if that makes any sense. Thanks, Cody. So let's uh, let's now jump over to Stephanie Francombe from. Steel Chair Magazine. Steph, are you there? Yes, I'm there. Uh, thank you, Cody, for for this uh, this for your time. Uh, so my name is Stephanie from Steel Chair Magazine in United Kingdom. I'm calling you from France, and I wanted to have ask you this question about the promo that you did uh, two days ago on Dynamite. You you had how do you feel about the critical acclaim that you had? uh for this promo and the comparisons that were made uh to your father a legendary art times promo thank you the opportunity and the, the interview that i got to be part of with tony shivani uh, in charlotte on the most recent episode of dynamite you know when you go back through the curtain some there sometimes you don't have to ask anybody was it good was you know was it bad you know and the funny thing about it is I could not hear myself because as a as a production there's some things we 
we are adding to our complement, including a speaker in the ring for talent to get their to be able to hear themselves when they're talking on a microphone. So it was sensory overload for me out there. Uh, I was very connected to to what I was stating because it's my life. You know, I it is sometimes a curse to not be able to hide under a mask or be a character and then there are times it is a blessing and right now it's been a blessing. I'm not hiding from who I am. I'm not hiding from my position here. Uh, what I said in the interview about not challenging for the AEW World Championship ever again if I don't beat Chris is very authentic. There's no plot, you know, logic device or, or hole in that statement. That That's something I had heard from fans and that controversy was surrounding people like my dad, like Bill Watts and Vern Gagne, and I, I refuse to have that controversy in my my run. We have enough young and hungry men and women that I want to help showcase, and at the same time, I'm in the best run of my career, so that if I'm not so worried about all the comparisons and praise, including from somebody like The Rock, all you can do is kind of Tip, tip your cap back at them. Um, I, I, I prepare for this job, and I prepared for that moment. And it, it's this is the biggest rivalry I've ever been involved with, and the stakes are as high as they've ever been. It, wrestling is best when it's real. So I don't know if you can even call it a promo. It was just a real statement for me, and I'm glad it resonated with fans. I, I really am. Thanks, Steph, and thanks, um, Cody. We're going to jump now to Bill Bodkin from Pop Break. Bill, you happen to be there? Yes, I am. Cody, thanks for taking the time. Um, a lot of people saying this is the biggest match of your very long, very illustrious career. I know what you said in the promo, but tell us today, Cody Rhodes, in your gut, how important in your career, in your life, is this match and why? I had a really good coach and mentor in my career and in my life, a man I met in Los Angeles named Howard Fine. And one of the things that Howard Fine used to say to me all the time uh, when, you know, talking about this job a bit was he'd say, the truth doesn't need weight. And in entertainment, we put weight on things all the time. The biggest spectacle ever the you know there's always these qualifiers and this you enter into hyperbole and exaggeration but I've had no problem with this because it isn't an exaggeration this is the biggest match of my career it's coming at the most perfect time in my career I found my stance in the batter's box I, believe me when the company you know started in January, and I know that someone like Kenny Omega is on the roster, and then Chris Jericho enters the fray, and then John Moxley. In addition to being an EVP, uh, well, I want to be the quarterback. And the only thing that wins in today's wrestling isn't politics. It, it isn't any of the things that plagued wrestling years ago. It's content. Being able to go out there and get the best reaction because you're giving them the best competition. You're giving them the best performance. and for me, every I, I don't want to hit a slump. I, I've got to keep going onwards and upwards. There's a lot riding on this. I don't mean to get emotional or on a rant here, but I don't just take my own pressure into these matches. 
there's a great deal of pressure that's been put on us by the fan base, um, the laps fan, the returner, these fans who are back who, who want what we said to not be campaign promises. They want what we said to be real. And so far, it has been. So I carry that into every match, and I don't think it's too much weight. That's the pressure I want. That's what I prepared for. I've had a lifetime to prepare for a 60-minute match that that's coming uh, tomorrow night, and it's moving really fast. But I'm gonna take I'm gonna take it all in because it is the biggest match of my career uh, for the most important title, and I like I said the truth the truth doesn't need weight. It would it would be the pinnacle of my career, as my mother said. Uh, to leave Royal Farms Arena, the AEW World Champion. Thanks, Bill, and thanks, thanks, Cody. Uh, next up, I'd like to introduce Sean Ross Sapp from Fightful. Sean, are you there? Yes, I am. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yes. Uh, Cody, you had mentioned earlier this week in an interview. I don't know when you did the interview, but there were certain aspects of of production from other companies that. You didn't quite like now in stepping behind the camera and all in all these different roles. Are there some of those things that you've really seen just you don't need and some of them that you've kind of discovered. Okay. Now I, now I see why they did that type of thing. Oh yeah. Um, I think if you, you read some of my interviews or the stuff that gets clickbaited, it sounds like I can't stand uh, Kevin Dunn and the way he produced wrestling, but that's not the case. Kevin Dunn is, you know, if you look at WrestleMania, has made, he's made a, a footprint of the spectacle event. He's done wonderful things with production. And I like taking the things that I did get from WWE in my time there, the good ones, and bringing them into our production. But also, there's an aspect of production that is more sports-based that Keith Mitchell brings that I love. I mean, you couldn't see uh, a camera or a light on stage uh, with tape on it, if that makes any sense. There's these, these things that were just outlawed and these rules that I said, they're not pro wrestling rules, they're WWE rules. There's a grit and difference to the way Keith Mitchell produces uh, our television and Tim Walbert, our master director, directs it. And the thing I like the most is there is no, and it's something that's been very important to me as an EVP, and it's something that I include in every weekly debrief, because I debrief every show, is that the production and the talent, the production and the AEW staff are a family. You guys need to know each other's names. You guys don't need to bark at each other. These cameramen on the floor will become your best friend. Uh, and I've already seen people like Darby Allen learning to talk you know, with the cameramen and learning, you know, hey, look for this and look for that. He's ahead of the curve. Uh, all the greats were able to do that. There's this time-honored, and I don't know why it's time-honored, element of, like, production and, and the creative pushback on each other. With us, with AEW, I, I will not allow it, and neither will Matt, Nick, Kenny, or Tony. Uh, we're a family, and we're going to be together every week. Um, so I, I just really like how Keith Mitchell produces television. Uh, it, there's an element of danger and spontaneity and grit to it that I think belongs in wrestling. Thank you. Thank you both. Uh, we're going to take a, a question from that's been uh, uh, messaged or IM to us. And this one's going to come from Rich Achino 
from uh, ESPN 1530 and Sportskedia. And Rich wants to know, Cody, you've mentioned before that championships are going to matter more in AEW. That said, there's a lot of young talent on the roster. What are the chances of adding a mid-card championship to give the younger guys something to fight for? The chances of adding a mid-card title or a prize, I guess the only thing that makes me – I get frustrated when I hear the term mid-card. I know that it exists. I do. And I'm someone who toiled in the mid-card myself. But as a talent, you never consider anything you're doing mid-card. I didn't consider my run with the Intercontinental Championship mid-card. I wanted it to be the best thing. I wanted it to rise above. If you look at Wembley Stadium in 1992, uh, it rose above uh, the, the main match. If you look at Wrestle Kingdom, the year that, that their IC title uh, would go on last. The same thing. So I, I just the term mid-card gets at me. Maybe it's personal, just like when I hear – casual fan because it's this thrown around vernacular that isn't always actually describing anything real uh, and functional with all my little rant aside i think it's very possible in the next you know month or so there will be a prize uh, of of some sorts uh for uh, the guys rising through the ranks because that is important uh to wrestling and there's so many great ones out there uh, that we've, you know, looked at through history, uh, those great titles. But I never would consider it a mid-card title, and that's why it's been slow. It's not for we, – we feel the same way you feel in your line of questioning, but we've got to make sure that the women's championship in Rio is respected at the same level that Chris Jericho is the world champion. And then uh, Frankie, Frankie Kazarian and, and Scorpio Sky, seeing them this morning go make the media rounds in Baltimore with the titles. Um, It's not willy-nilly handing these belts out, handing these prizes out. They matter. And the next one will matter uh, just as much. Thanks, Cody. We're going to go back to the lines now and open one up for Bill Pritchard from WrestleZone. Bill, you you there? Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? Sure. Hello? Yes, we can hear you. Oh, okay. Uh, so I wanted to follow up on a question I asked you a few weeks ago about the ranking system, if there's any update on that. Perfect question. And if I slam my hand on the table and it messed up the mic, I'm sorry. The, uh, t- today, uh, hopefully, this, this evening, we will have the top fives out for not only men, but for tag and for the women's division. Um, and that was something that I promised when we last spoke, and I'm ex- excited it's happening and you know, before Full Gear and Full Gear being the first pay-per-view of the Dynamite era and the third major event of our big four. Uh, so you will see uh, rankings today. And if you don't, you can all call me out and internet the heck out of me because I just I just checked the lineup. For sure, the top fives are going out today, as promised. Um, and uh, they'll be out hopefully every Friday. Thanks both. Uh, now we're going to open a line here for Donnie Leader from Fandom and SYF Flywire. Donnie? Uh, hi, Cody. Uh, before the uh, premiere of Dynamite, you sent out a tweet regarding wanting uh, feedback from fans about how to make the show better, you know, what they love, what they uh, don't necessarily love. Um, how difficult has it been so far to separate 
constructive criticism versus complaining to complain. And do you have an example of any feedback you've received so far that you've applied since uh, Dynamite's debut? Yeah, I mean, there is a difference between constructive criticism and then what I would call narrative criticism, people who are sucked into the narrative, which is a beautiful thing if you're a pro wrestler and you can have that. Uh, one example, just to give you, because I do every week, it's one thing that I love doing. I'm not sure everybody else loves receiving them, but I debrief every show, meaning we could have an absolute Grand Slam home run show. You're still going to get an email from me the next day, everybody, every department that says, hey, here's something I thought we could do better. And that will happen for as long as I can think. But one example is music has been discussed a lot. And the music, when you watch a WWE program, is piped into the mix. It's piped into the feed. And there's been a lot of people who want to hear the songs more. And I think we will bump the audio levels on the mix for the songs, but we don't like piping it into the mid program for the fact that we want to hear our audience. AEW has a really raucous, wild environment. If you've been to a show live, I can't compare it to another wrestling show because it, it's genuinely, there's very little sitting on hands. There's, there's a lot of fire in that audience and we want to hear them. And at the cost sometimes of not hearing the music, um, we would rather hear the fans as loud as they are because they've been so generous and, and we're so grateful for them. And Hopefully uh, Royal Farms is that same type of echoing, just massive acoustic boom that comes with an AEW show. But just as an example, music is something that I monitor every week because I want to make sure there's a difference. You know, I want to hear our people, but if the fans really are asking for and want to hear these songs like Chris's Judas or My Kingdom or Super Kick Party or Private Party's music. I mean, there's so many good songs that Mikey Ruckus, um, our composer, has developed for us. So that's an example of, of one that I think we'll, you will see tweaked. But I love, I love the, the constructive criticism. I really do. There is, it's quite easy to, to spot, even with millions and millions of engagements on social media. It's not that hard to see the difference between a troll, someone who wants to see you fail, and then just someone who says something, oh, and then you see it again, and then you see it again. And we have a great social media and digital director who monitors that throughout the show and annoyingly comes, stands over my shoulder in the go position and tells me, hey, this was wrong. We need to fix this. So we're all, we're all very much, uh, no one's taking for granted what we have here. Cody, next up, Anthony Suter. From Smart to Death Podcast. Anthony, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Can you guys hear me? Yes. Yes, sir. Awesome. So uh, my question is about the women's division. And uh, you mentioned earlier that you want the women's title to be uh, respected as well as the world title. Uh, my question is we see just one match per week for the women's division on Dynamite and one on Dark. Is, are there any plans to feature more of this division? so the fans at home can uh, get to know the rest of the women's roster in AEW. Absolutely. Not only plans to have uh, more women's representation on Dynamite, but not just in match form, in BTR, in interview, in vignette um, form. One thing that's kind of, I don't know, I wouldn't say been difficult, but been an honest element of what we're doing is we have a lot of foreign 
talent. And foreign talent to do it properly uh, requires a, a work visa, and those in this political climate are rather difficult to get. And we've been great. Chris Harrington and uh, Christopher Daniels have been outstanding about procuring and, and making sure that our, our Joshi females, uh, making, making sure people like, uh, you know, Shana from Portugal, making sure they all get in properly, legally. And um, so that, that's been something that's kind of been difficult uh, in terms of the representation because we have a very international women's division, which I don't know if you guys uh, know, I'm just kind of going on a bit of a detour here, but Emmy and Riho, their match uh, this Saturday, maybe the one I'm looking forward to the most, the teacher versus student aspect of it, and what Kenny Omega is doing and trying to do with the women's division is is really something that that deserves praise, and, and he's, he's really trying to do something different, and this is a, a merit-based, sports-centric wrestling show, so it's it's different than perhaps wrestling you've seen out there. And I really, I just, Riho, I've, I think we've all fallen in love with her and that this audience has fallen in love with her. You had a Southern based crowd uh, chanting, this is awesome for two women who they have definitely never seen before uh, this past you know week in Charlotte. And that that's a great indicator. But to answer your question, uh, for sure, the women's representation will uptick. Uh, and I'd say probably immediately um, coming out of full gear. Thank you so much. <clears throat> Thanks both. Uh, next up, I'd like to introduce Chris Mueller from BleacherReport.com. Chris, you with us? Yes, I am. How are you doing? Can you guys hear me? We can hear you, Chris. Okay, great. All right, so Cody, now that you're in a new role, well, not new necessarily, but now that you're in this uh, managerial backstage role, since Dynamite has launched, what do you think is the biggest lesson you've learned about producing a live TV show every week? And what do you foresee being your biggest possible hurdle going forward? The biggest lesson I've heard, you know, learned particularly uh, as an EVP, I call it what's the, I call it the diplomacy of wrestling and it's how we speak to each other. And I have a few, there's a lot of people who I'm sure you have people in your own life that when something goes wrong or goes differently, uh, there's an element of panic. And I refuse panic when it comes to that two hour broadcast. We have to hit our crossover. We have to make our commercial times. We have to go off with enough pad and please our Warner Media partners. So if a problem comes up, We've got to move on to the next thing. And that's something that it's it's kind of silly, but I, I don't let anyone run up to me at, at TV and say, here's the thing, or, hey, we've got an issue. You have to start with a, hey, how are you? Uh, it's something as simple as that, really. I, I don't like panic, and it's a, it's in a lot of people, the, the nature of panicking. But I've also really found some unsung heroes as far as production goes, that we couldn't do this without. Um, and, you know, from our associate producers, our coaches, uh, if anything, I've learned a huge lesson I've learned is the, the value of a coach. Uh, Dean Malenko hosted a tag team seminar uh, last week, and man, the value of a coach. Uh, Arn Anderson was there this, this past week, and, you know, Arn Anderson is not uh, connected with AEW other than in a peripheral element, and he, he did you know, AEW Dark and the value 
of these guys who drew money and entertained people, that's so important to instill. Even if the generation is totally different, even if the matches are totally different, there's still that ring, there's still that fan in the seat, there's magic in their words. So that's something, the value of a coach, the value of a proper security force, the value of good production, the value of a good director, the value of great stagehands. Uh, Chris Dispenza, who's been a stagehand in wrestling for years, and he's the one who made the go position, the dusty position. I'm just, I could just rattle off every name, but the value in people uh, who build you up. When I go out and there's the big pyro and this big presentation, I'm a product of 30 people uh, propping me up to look, to look like that and be represented like that. And uh, Greg Werner, I could go on and on. I, I might as well just tweet you a list of people who just do a great job. The, the PR team with Mandy and Jim and Skyler, just everyone. The value of those people, you can't undersell it. The biggest hurdle uh, for us is maintaining the buzz, maintaining the, 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 the cool thing. And that is that I don't think is as big as a hurdle as we think because all we have to do is stay disciplined and true to ourselves. We cannot change what we plan, and we cannot become a reactionary brand. Um, the only reactionary brand we can be is reactionary to our own audience, not to what somebody else is doing on TV. Thank you, Bob. Right, thank you. Next up, Jeremy Thomas from 411 Mania. Jeremy, good afternoon, good morning, wherever you're at. Good morning. Uh, hi, Cody. Um, so the ratings for Dynamite left to have hit stability this week. Uh, I know that you said that the initial numbers exceeded expectations, but after those projections were readjusted, is this about where you expected it to land, and where do you go to grow the audience from here? The biggest thing for me in growing the audience is giving them something to talk about throughout the week and finding characters that they that they want to follow and they want to root for, that being characters you already know, people like John Moxley, but also characters who you're seeing for the first time and you, you want them to be your guy or your girl. As far as ratings, you know, we had the biggest premiere for TNT in five years. And we live in the era of cord cutters and DVR bumps. And one thing that wrestling journalists tend to do, and I don't mean journalists as more as I mean the more like bitter and, and critical is they they look at things from the standpoint of 1997 or they even look at things as a standpoint of the early 2000s when every year we're dealing we're dealing with an absolutely different medium we're not only looking at our nielsen's we're looking at our social nielsen's we're looking at our our, our itv representation we're looking at our fight usage we're, we're looking at uh, an amazing amount of data and chris harrington who some of you in this world know chris harrington well not the, you know, a unique guy, but man, what a smart, smart individual who is showing us and giving us those projections. I'm very happy personally. Uh, there's obviously room to grow. I want the most amount of souls and eyes watching this show as possible. But for six weeks um, to defeat, I mean, if we just say it out loud, I'm not saying it to be braggart or braggadocious, six weeks in a row, We've gone head-to-head -head with WWE, the biggest wrestling company in the world. And six weeks in a row, they've been on the losing end. And they've provided massive stars and great wrestlers like AJ Styles and Finn Balor on their product. And they're still 
behind. And that to me speaks to what we have. It speaks to this revolution that so many people will say, hey, it's not real. Those fans aren't real. Those returners aren't real. It's all lip service. It's not. If you come to a single show and you see that people don't leave after our main event, that they stay in their seats and they wait even for something else, you'll know and you'll, you'll see the feeling. So I love coming out this week, uh, having you know gone back up after the World Series, which kind of threw everything in a different state of flux. I want to continue onwards and upwards, reaching the number uh, from the first week and then moving forward. And the only way we're going to do that is, is the actual characters. It doesn't have as much to do with topical spots and ads and, and the marketing of it all. It has everything to do with the simple old Dusty Rhodes outlook on it. Go out there and get over. And if people go out there and get over, it makes everyone's job easier. And I'm, I think we have all the tools to do it. We have the best roster, we have the best talent, and we've got the best damn attitude. Thank you, Cody. Next up, I'd like to introduce Wade Sheridan from UPI. Wade, you there? Yes, hi. Thank you, Cody, for doing this. Um, I want to ask, can you go into more detail about the three judges who will be on hand to score your match with Jericho if the time limit runs out? Will they be familiar faces? And I want to ask, uh, will the three judges thing be used in the future for future championship matches? As far as the judges are concerned, uh, I am not tasked because it is my match and it's a conflict of interest. I'm not tasked with picking the judges, but I know that per, per Tony Khan, the judges are championship caliber judges. So yes, familiar faces. Uh, I saw someone online compare this to something that uh, TNA had done and I had to, all the best of me had to bite my tongue and basically say, yeah, the makeup artist isn't going to be a judge. Um, these are these are qualified judges, as far as I know, and it's within their hands fully. Uh, if it goes to 60 minutes and looking forward down the road at more title matches, if it's something that the promotion decides is this type of match needs these judges here, if it goes 60 minutes, if the champion's advantage is not gonna be in play because the judges, is much more in my favor than I think it is in Chris's favor. But with all that said, I just gave the world my word and giving you my word that I'm never challenging for the world title again if uh, I don't defeat Chris Jericho. So I think this type of match more than ever needed it. And looking forward down the road, I wouldn't be surprised if you see the judges not only for you know, the AEW World Championship, the AEW Women's World Championship. Uh, I think it's a great thing. Uh, it's been done in wrestling before uh, very successfully. Um, so I, I think I think you'll be excited, and I think Baltimore will be excited to see the judges we have. Thanks, Cody. We like, now, <clears throat> like to now introduce John Alba from Spectrum Sports and Living the Gimmick. John, you with us? Yes, I am. Thanks for taking my question, guys. Um, Cody, the last time we spoke, I asked you about Turner's involvement with the production of Dynamite, and you said that it would be largely hands-off. Uh, what has their response been thus far to how you guys have presented the show? And, and an aside, they also mentioned that they're going to be integrating Bleacher Report Live into the Bleacher Report app in the near future. Uh, do you anticipate that to affect what you guys are doing in any way? So far, smooth sailing as the partnership is concerned. The feedback they've provided has been really production-like additions 
something as, you know, I don't know if you've seen, there's cameras on the top of the turnbuckle posts, and they're mobile cameras. There is the Skycam, uh, which has only been seen in football up to this point. There's what we call the People's Cam. Uh, these are all additions uh, by Sam and Brett at Warner Media, who only want our show to look the absolute best. And they know that wrestling, when done right, has a cinematic and dramatic feel that they just want to add their own lenses to. Uh, they have been blessed to have them um, as partners in terms of those production additions and things that they're teaching me. I'm, I'm learning every day uh, on the job. And that, that's something I've been really happy to have them. And there's a lot of honesty and transparency. And that's something that's been instilled in the elite from the beginning. If something works on TV, that's what you go with. If something doesn't work, you can't pretend. And we, we've maintained that honesty and transparency. And so far, like I said, smooth sailing. Bleacher Report and their, their partnership with Warner Media, I could definitely foresee that uh, maybe leaning into some sort of specials, um, you know, special events that aren't Wednesday night dynamite, but aren't also uh, one of our four major pay-per-views. Uh, you know, Fighter particularly was a special fight for the fallen. I think we want to lean in and access them as, as much as we can because they're a really great streaming service and growing streaming service. And, you know, they're, the, the interface is easy to use, such an important thing to, to a fan. So for sure. Cody, I'd like to read to you uh, um, a question we got from Greg Gardini from One Nation Under Sports. <clears throat> Greg asked, knowing how much your father loved the business and, and with you working with other, uh, other up-and-coming wrestlers at the PC later, or actually with, with your dad, working with other up-and-coming wrestlers at the PC later in his life, what do you think he would think about what you're doing with AEW and bringing to the viewer some wrestlers that they may not be familiar with, uh, but are great, you know, up-and-coming stars such as Darby and Private Party. That's such a, you know, loaded question. I, I wish I could, you know, wake him up uh, basically and 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 ask him, and and there would be so much I would have to explain. But wrestling sometimes explains itself if you just put the show on. I'll give you an example. When my dad went to ECW. He was dreading it. He was dreading walking into the tabernacle, I believe, in Georgia to go and be, you know, made fun of by Steve Carino. And that night when he came back, he was in love with it. It had changed his outlook and it had literally filled his soul back up with, with wrestling had broken his heart for a little while. And then, bam, uh, he was back in the game and the fans brought him back in and the talent and the psychology and, and, and take that they had on wrestling was vastly different from what Dusty was doing in Florida or Jim Crockett promotion, but he had an open mind. And I think that's all you'd have to do is, is sit him down in front of dynamite. And I think he would really be not just happy for, for me, um, you know, not just happy for Dustin or Brandy or any of his old cohorts who are now my cohorts. I think he'd be happy for wrestling. Look at our look at our current situation in the world. It's the most divisive we've ever been as a country, and it's happening globally. Uh, never more has entertainment and wrestling been such a valued service, and and creating that escape for fans. He genuinely believed that the American dream was very real, and that his job was 
making people forget about their days, forget about their concerns, and enjoy something that they could enjoy on a weekly basis. So if he sees dynamite, he sees that, and I, I, I'm, the, I'm the expert on Dusty. A lot of people like to tell me they're the expert on what he would like and what he wouldn't. I knew the man. I could tell you what he would like, and what he would like is fans going nuts, uh, which is something that we've had the benefit of, of doing. As Tully Blanchard would say, keep them the loudest, the longest, and Dusty was the same way, and I would just show him dynamite, and I know he'd love it. Thanks, Cody. Um, we only have time for one more question, so I'm going to do a little lottery here, spin the wheel. Um, and uh, Rich Fan, Rich Fan from Pro Wrestling Torch, you, you emerge from the finals uh, from everyone. So you get to ask the last question. Rich, are you there? I am, and thank you for this opportunity. Uh, Cody, last time I talked with you during a press conference, you mentioned, uh, you challenged me to tweet you wrestlers of color that may have slipped through the cracks or didn't get opportunities, and I thank you for kind of putting the money where your mouth is. Uh, my question is about content itself. So with AEW, you have these fans that kind of fell away, and now they're coming back, but you also have AEW Dark, you have Being the Elite, you have your Road to series. How do you think the best way is to get those fans engaged and not have an expectation to consume all of it, part of it, or none of it outside of Dynamite? Well, I think Dynamite is the is the hub is the hub for for individuals. If they catch up on Dynamite, all of those shows, all of that shoulder content you mentioned, should have a heartbeat on Dynamite. That's something that Jim Ross taught me, and I thought. You know, Jim Ross, I thought he wasn't even going to watch Dark. Not only did he watch Dark, he told me this should be something we bring up on our show. This should be something that, you know, webs, webs outwardly. So the hub is dynamite. And then engaging the fan base, like I said, content is king. It's not, perception is no longer reality in wrestling. Reality is reality. So engaging the fan base enough for them to reach out. But I always look at any element of shoulder content, whether it's BTE, whether it's AEW Dark, whether it's Road 2, um, it, no matter what it is, we should never treat anything as mandatory because then I think we begin to insult people. Like, I have to, I have to watch all this uh, to catch up. You, everyone knows I'm a gigantic Star Wars uh, fan, whether it's uh, the Zahn novels or Dave Filoni's series and all these things he expanded outward. That, that to me doesn't mean you're not a Star Wars fan if you didn't watch Clone Wars or Rebels or read the books and know, you know, these characters are. If you watch the movies, if you fell in love with this particular piece, it, those are the hub and they bring you back. So I like to think of Dynamite as our hub and I like to not make any of our, our shoulder content, I, I like to not make it mandatory. I, everything should be organic and there. I want to see more of this or what happened between Joey Janela, Sean Spears and Tully Blanchard, or I want to check in see on somebody like an up and comer, like Sadie Gibbs, um, you know, going over the top rope in tremendous fashion. So to me that that's, that's the key. It's, it's, it's there for you. And we hope, we hope you check it out. It's produced with the same love and care that dynamite is, but dynamite is the hub. If you watch dynamite every week, you're not missing anything. 